0: I hope you're doing well and enjoying your day. Hey, we celebrated Veterans Day last Tuesday. And I would like to ask, if you are a veteran or currently serving, would you please stand in any branch of military? We just want to say thank you. Wow. Awesome. Powerful. Thank you very, very much. Hey, a couple things you need to know about. You may have already noticed, but uh, how many of you noticed that a wall has moved in the cafe? Anybody see that? Okay. We are doing some renovating. It's kind of exciting because uh, let me just briefly walk you through it. The, the back wall in the cafe is being removed and what the, where the prayer room was is now going to become the bookstore slash extra cafe. We've moved the prayer room from that hall on that side over to where the bridal room used to be over here in this hallway, and it's beautiful. If you haven't been in there yet, go in and check that out. And then where the bookstore was, we are going to have a new big entry to our youth center, and that's going to come all the way through into the youth room. So um, we're paying for this with the monies you guys have given the last year with our Open Spaces campaign. Uh, at least the youth and children renovations. We pulled the permits to get crazy on that, so you're going to be seeing that. If you're a parent, you're going to hear a lot more about it. Uh, We're using tithe money to do the cafe renovation, and so uh, be informed. Be looking for lots of good, fun hammer noises if you're around here in the week, and, and we're making some changes. So I look forward to that. Thanks for participating and being a part. Also, just want to say a big thank you. Last weekend... Orphan Care Weekend, very touching, very moving, and you guys responded in such a big way. Between the Windsor campus and the Fort Collins campus, you gave $72,728 toward helping orphans. It's amazing. That is a huge number, and I'm telling you, that's going to be able to allow us to kick off this uh, Royal Kids Camp that you heard about and... uh, I think 575 people signed up to help in some way with that Uh, over 500 people came to the movie Friday night. How many of you enjoyed the movie? You know, it was a great deal. And so just thank you. A lot of you inquired about adoption and foster care. And you guys, this is, this is what it's about as a church. It's why we exist to really make a tangible difference in by what we say and by what we do. And you're doing that. So I appreciate it. We, uh, We are going to continue this series, Ephesians 5. If you have a Bible, just leave it open to chapter 5. I just love going verse by verse through the Bible with you and taking out the stuff that we can apply to our lives and finding out, Lord, what does it mean and what is it supposed to say to me? I've called this, it's night and day. It's night and day. The metaphor is used in Scripture quite a bit, actually, light and darkness. We are actually called the people of light. Darkness is usually considered to be evil in the Bible. Um, and light is considered to be godly or right. And so we have this language that Paul is going to bring us to. Now, I don't know about you, but it seemed like I think it was when the time changed. Uh, I, I came home from work and I think, I don't know, it was like 5.30 and Bonnie came in the living room. We sat and talked about the day and I looked outside and it was just Black, dark already. I mean, how did you notice this? And, and I, I thought, wow, it's getting dark so early. So we had dinner, watched the show. I thought, man, it's got to be getting late. I'm tired. It's got to be 10 or something. I looked at the clock, 730. <laughs> it's like, what, what do I do? It's just crazy because you can't see in the dark. Everything just stops right in the dark. And that's kind of how, how Paul is using this metaphor is that that dark side is there. It's real. And it can be scary. And let's talk about Ephesians 5. The first thing that I want you to write down, if you're taking notes on the back of your program there, is number one, can we simply decide to be godly? Can you just click something in your brain and all of a sudden, now you're going to be godly for the rest of your life? Because what Paul says here indicates to me, when you first glance at it, that that's the case. You just make a willful decision and suddenly you're godly. But we know it's more of a journey than that. But I want to read it and you follow along. Imitate God, therefore. If you imitate God, you're going to be godly. Now the therefore is in there referring to, anytime you see a therefore in scripture, it's referring to what's been said previously. And if you were here a couple weeks ago, what's been said previously is that we live with the spirit of forgiveness, that we are the people of God who don't have bitterness or resentment in our lives and he's saying imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children that's a that's a really big statement that we glance over we're like his kids he's our father think about what that means live a life filled with love following the example of Christ he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us a pleasing aroma to God. Wow. When I think about imitating God, I mean, do you think that's possible? I I saw a really cute thing this past summer. Uh, We live in a neighborhood where there's uh, quite a few kids out and about. And I was driving home and I saw a dad with his mower, big red mower, and he's pushing this mower across the yard. and (laughs) Here's this little guy, probably two or three years old. With, like, the exact same color lawnmower, this little red plastic lawnmower, and he's just following Dad. And he's, Dad turns, he turns. He's just, he's cutting the grass, you know? And I just, Dad's kind of looking back every now and then to make sure he's all right. He falls down a couple times. And it's just the cutest picture of imitating Dad. What does it mean for us to emulate or imitate Father God? I wonder how you would respond if someone came up to you and said, "You know, you really remind me of your father. God, I'm talking about, you know, your traits, uh, the way you handle yourself, intense moments, your kindness, uh, your generosity. You really remind me of, of your father. That's what this is saying. Paul is trying to put a connection there so that we truly can understand we are his sons and." daughter. So think about that. Now let's let's move on. The second question in your notes is this. How can we build safeguards into our lives? Paul is about to jump in to some pretty heavy duty stuff that's going to impact you and me and all of us. And so I want us to build some safeguards into our lives so that we can be imitators of God. Verse 3 Let there be no sexual immorality impurity Or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Look at verse 4. This is a unique verse. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. It's fascinating that in verse 4, Paul chooses these three Greek words. They are never used anywhere else in the entire Bible just here. And most scholars, if you, if you study this out, obscene stories would be considered illicit sexual stories that stay in the mind and have a rerun ability. Foolish talk could be talk that has no purpose. It could involve gossip, but it probably involves things that belittle other people. It's foolishness. Why are you saying that? And the last word, uh, coarse jokes is just what it says. It's, it's jokes that have connotations that are either evil or sexual. And it's stuff that we shouldn't be laughing at. It's the darkness of the world. Now, I'm just going to throw this out there for you to think of. H- how many of you would suppose it's possible that we all have a dark side? Do you think Okay, some of you are like, it's always fun to be up here and ask a question because you see people going. (laughs) If you look right at them, they just go. (laughs) That's my favorite. But anyway, I, I think about this and I think about what does it mean here? We are talking about a lifestyle that should resist sexual immorality, impurity, and greed. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. You know, what about this thankfulness statement? Because after the list of all of this really bad stuff, he says, instead, be thankful. It almost implies that if you're thankful enough, you will not do the list. So, so here's a question that I think is we're talking about for a second. Does living grateful eradicate immorality from your life? Or could it impact it? I think it possibly could impact it. Here's what I mean. If you don't want to hurt God, and that relationship is really, really important to you, you will avoid doing anything that brings harm to that relationship. I, I would hate to hurt my family, my children, my wife, and, and I, would, I would try really hard to avoid situations that would bring hurt to them. And sometimes we view God as just this big God up there who has a club that we're going to be in trouble if we do something bad. How about you rethink that a little bit and say, I value my relationship with God so much that I'm never going to participate in the stuff that breaks the heart of God. I love Him too much and I am so grateful for what He has done in my life. How could I do that? I'll never walk on that grace again. I think that's possible. I think that's what Paul is trying to say. When you have this kind of gratitude, you live with a constant willingness to do everything in your power to, to have the relationship healthy and whole. So that's why we need to pay attention to some little things in our lives. You know, I, I made a little list. I always do this when I'm studying for me. And sometimes I put it in my notes and sometimes I don't. But two or three of the things that I want to share with you is that I want you to ask this. What do you do with your time? I think that if, if you could pay attention to what you do with your time and you know what's going on, idle time can lead people to dark areas. And it's just important for you to pay attention. The second thing is what's going on in that brain of yours. Because your brain is the most powerful tool. It, it's connected to everything in your body. Think about that. Matter of fact, it's so much so and it's so powerful that like on, if Bonnie and I have like a movie night and we pick out a movie or a recorded one, we're going to watch something and it's always kind of fun and exciting and we're getting ready to watch it. My brain, my brain is so powerful in this moment that it actually creates a taste in my taste buds. And I can taste buttered popcorn just by thinking about it. Anybody have that gift besides me? Okay, we're going to start a small group. Okay, so this is powerful. What happens in your brain, your brain has strong messages and signals that it sends that impacts your body. It matters where your brain goes. It matters what you're thinking about. Do an assessment on what your mind is thinking about most of the time. Number three, who you choose to hang out with matters. Who you choose, to, and this is just a little subpoint here, the things you should pay attention to. I think it might have been my mom, but I'm not positive. But someone taught me when I was a teenager this little phrase: "You will become like the people you run with." And I believe that's absolutely true. So just look around right now and go, hmm. Who are your friends? Who are the people you socialize with? Who are the people you party with? Who are the people you hang out with or vacation with? It's a big question. It matters because, because that, that dynamic is going to impact your life. And then ask this question, what makes you laugh and what makes you cry? Because you can tell a whole lot about someone by what makes them laugh and what makes them cry. Now, I get it. We're in the world. That's why he's saying avoid these coarse jokes. Avoid these, all this stuff. You can't fully run away from that darkness on the earth. I, I used to play more golf than I do now, but I used to get a little punch card every year so you can play at any of the public courses. And I would show up sometimes by myself and they would put me with a threesome and you would introduce yourself on the first hole. And, and uh, you know, sometimes I remember one day I got stuck with three guys that were just cussing machines. I mean every word out of their mouth. They cussed when it didn't even fit. You know what I, You know what I mean by that? And then, you know, the second hole, third hole, there's been enough bad shots now to hear the really, really bad words. And, um, you know, fourth hole, this guy comes up to me, I'll never forget this, and he tells me the most nasty, horrible, sexual joke, I mean, it was terrible, even just the way it started was just terrible. And I was just standing there like, I really don't want to hear this, but... But you have this tension because you don't want to just lead with, like, judgment. Like, I'm a Christian. I don't want to hear this. You're a pervert. Go to hell. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't, want, to, you don't, you don't want to lead like that. And so so you, you just try to kind of, just kind of, you don't know, can you laugh? Should you not laugh? It's awkward, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's just awkward. And then the fifth hole. And finally they say, so what do you do here in Fort Collins? And that's when it always gets fun, because I say, you know, I'm a pastor at a church here, and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry about my language. Oh, I'm so, oh, and I told you that joke. I said, it's fine, I've got your wife's number, I'm going to call her after this round. We're going to talk about this. The point is this, you can't completely get away from the darkness on this earth. This is not our final home. And so you're going to have to learn how to be really careful and pay attention as to what you feed your mind, your heart and your spirit or it's going to take you to a place you don't want to be. Number 3 in your outline. What are some greed traps in our culture? What are some some traps? Now, the reason I put greed in there is because Paul comes back to referring to greed. And this is fascinating to me because he puts greed in the same list as immorality and impurity. So let's, let's talk about this. Number five, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, and here it is, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. Then he comes back and he, he, he pulls out the greedy person one. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Is it wrong to want something? I hope not. Because there's some things that I I want. There's some things that I like to have. But I am not driven to the degree that I think it's greedy. But I don't know. Do you think greedy people know they're greedy? Do you think they wake up and look in the mirror and go, You are greedy, man. Sometimes they might, but I, I don't think we know when we're greedy. Is it possible that just for the sake of these next few minutes in this discussion that we could all just say we all have a little bit of greed in us? Go like this. We all have a little bit of greed. We have waves when maybe greed hits us. So let's talk about it. Greed is the tendency to selfish craving, grasping, and hoarding. It's defined in the dictionary as a selfish or excessive desire for more than is needed or deserved, especially of money, wealth, food, or other possessions. Kind of grabs everything, doesn't it? How do we become so greedy? What's happening in our culture that makes us greedy? I was thinking about this and I was thinking of what are some traps in our culture that make us greedy? I think one of the biggest ones is not appreciating what I have. I think that's a huge trap. I I sat yesterday finalizing this message and I I literally had this moment where I kind of went, oh, like my house has heat in it. I am grateful for that. You know, if, if your house did not have heat or this building did not have heat today, your want list would move to that. That would be first on your list when you're outside, right? And, and so all of a sudden, being grateful just moves that other stuff way down the pile that I probably really don't even need. I think another big problem that's a trap in our culture is the need to fit in. Just, just the need to be accepted. Everyone has places of insecurity. Just different places. And we start seeing that everybody has one of those. That's just normal. So I need one too. And then we want it. And we we want it. And we pursue it. And we jump in. And we try to get it. I think another telltale sign that greed might be winning in your life is when you stop celebrating other people's successes. Right? Like, oh, they got the promotion? Of course they did. They got the pay raise? Well, yeah, of course they did. And it's this... It's this angst that people have. And there's no celebration of someone else's success because it wasn't them. And it's what they wanted. And, and somehow that just translates into more selfishness. Another thing is just fixating on something you think you need. And just going there and shopping for it and looking for it. And just, it's, it consumes your mind. Uh, it leads to poor financial decisions. Uh, buying stuff that you really can't afford. I love this old phrase. I thought of it in this moment. Um, (laughs) You spend money you do not even have on things you do not even need to impress people you do not even like. How true is that? When you really think about some of the traps that we fall into. However, our our culture puts this in us. And and you can't live here without having some of this bite at your heels all the time. It's just very real advertisements. You need this. You need it now. If you order it in the next 12 minutes, we'll throw in another free one. Might as well order four, and then we'll make it 50% off if you get four of them. You know what I mean? It goes on and on. Click the button now, and and you're good to go. Self-image issues. This is huge in our in our need for for. Getting greedy about fixing things. You're too fat. You're too skinny. You're too tall. You're too short. Your hair's the wrong color. It's too thin. It's too thick. Your eyelashes are not long enough. Your complexion is not smooth enough. It goes on and on and it never ends. And you are compared to the supermodels of the world. And there's no way that you can measure up. And it's just this horrible, horrible vacuum in your life. And then there's loans. Push this button. Get approved now credit cards. We will let you charge more money than you will ever be able to pay back in your lifetime. Here you go. It's just everywhere. You guys, so there's nothing wrong. I need to, I need to say this. There's nothing wrong with having things. Don't let things own you. There are many wealthy people who have many things that are not greedy There are some of the poorest of poor people who don't have many things that are really greedy. So it's not a matter of means. It's a matter of heart. It's a matter of mind. It's a matter of what you're doing with what you have. Let's not be greedy. It leads to bad decisions. Number four, Paul just cuts right to the chase of this, okay? No more excuses. No more excuses. And he's going to just tell us like it is, and we have to just say yes or no. I'm going to own it or I'm not. Verse 6, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. Okay, this is interesting, because we're living in a lovey, mushy grace period in the church where everything's about love, and it's true. And we no longer want to talk about an angry God. We no longer want to talk about consequences to our actions. But folks, I would be a bad pastor if I didn't say there are consequences to sin, There are consequences to bad decisions. And it's the anger of God. And you don't want the anger of God to come on you. Verse 7. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness. Here's that analogy. But now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. I think about this contrast of light and dark, and I think I think of a checkerboard, okay? So I want to use this analogy here with you just for a few moments. I want you to remember this, and I want you to visually think about this with me. We have, we have Christians in the world today that have taken this position of, I'm going to just go buy a cabin in the mountains and get away from the world because I don't want to be tainted by the world. And you can do that, but that means you're not going to be salt and light which is what we're called to do, all right? So life looks more like this. This is us. This is the world we live in. Now, you might in your home have a nice white space like this, but if you have a TV in your home, if you have a computer in your home, if you have, there's a variety of things you could have in your home, that could put you into those dark spots pretty quick. So you don't have to leave your house. But I just want to say this. Let's say that you have to today journey from here over to here and so you're gonna get out of your safe place and you're gonna have to have darkness around you it might be the office you work in it might be a place that you end up going and so you're gonna hop in and you're gonna go thank you lord life is good that's black wow that's bad And off you go. And, and it might take you a while and some tough decisions about navigating through these dark spots, but you can do it. That's what, that's what the light of God has come to help us, to find that light and to, to navigate through this life which is filled with darkness. You can't escape it. People who say, well, you know, I'm just not going to be around it. Yes, you are. If you're alive and breathing on this earth, you're going to be around that darkness. But you, you, you have the ability to choose light. And I want you to make those decisions. It will save your life in the long run. The last thing that I want to say is, let us live in the light. Now this is one of the most hopeful passages and it's really powerful. Let's live in the light. Verse 10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. That is, that is language that we should stop and think of. Carefully determine. That's, that's putting it on us. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper. Rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now, usually when there's a statement that says, this is why it says, it's a quote out of the Old Testament. Some of you, if you have a cross-reference Bible, it may try to point you to like Isaiah 60, but most scholars don't believe Paul is quoting Isaiah 60 because it's not even that close. Uh, most believe that this was a hymn or a poem that the early church said together or sung together, and Paul is pulling that out, and it's a, it's a great statement. Even though it's really not an Old Testament passage, here's the thing I want you to see. This is this is a flashlight, okay? And I'm just I'm just gonna shine it around. A little, except I don't want it to hurt your eyes. Is that hurting your eyes? I won't put it in your eyes, okay? Let's shine it like. Okay, how many of you how many of you actually have ever had a flashlight? Just wait a minute. Why did you buy a flashlight? So you could see in the dark, right? Because where light comes, like you hear a noise at night and it's really dark out and you like shine the light up there and you say, Honey, go check it out. <laughs> right? This this reveals things that can be hidden. Now now here's the power of this. When you... Well, hello there. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, I, I can see places I couldn't see. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing that's amazing. We are the light. We are the light through God on the earth. You know what that means? That means that when you walk into that office space, darkness has to run around the corner. It means that if you bring God with you through the navigation of the checkerboard, it means where you walk, Suddenly, the light of God is there. Why? Because you are imitating your Father. You are walking in the light. Your mind is staying on things that are pure and right. You make good judgments. You make good decisions. And suddenly, the people around you who are walking in darkness benefit from your light. You can change the room. You can change the meeting. Because you are there, things are different. Because we are here. Northern Colorado is different. Because believers walk the streets. Things are different. Why? Because we have the light of God illuminating in us for His purpose and His glory. So, get out your lawnmower and follow your Father and imitate His work and His will Because you're the people to do it. We are the chosen ones. We are the sons and daughters. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this. It's very powerful. Thank you that Paul was really strong with us and even harsh in his words because it's important. Help us to take it really seriously what he's saying to us. With heads bowed in this room, I'm going to just be blunt. I don't want you to really raise your hand to any of these but I want you to own it and I want you to be honest. Some of you need to be free of greed. You are so driven and maybe it's just you're competitive and you want what someone else wants. You want a one-up. Maybe it's because you had very little when you were young. That sometimes can cause people to get greedy and chase after stuff again, this isn't just about things. It's about your heart. And I think the Holy Spirit will shine His light on that dark place in your heart right now if you'll ask Him. Am I filled with greed? Is this a trait I need to work on? Is this something I need to pay attention to in my life? Just let Him right now. Let the Spirit shine His light around and evaluate your life. Evaluate your decisions and be really honest. As, a, as, as singles, find a friend to talk with about it. If you're a married couple, talk about this later. Just to keep it open and honest and real. The second thing is this whole idea of this darkness and the sexual sin, the impurities, the obscene stuff, the, the language Paul uses, he's definitely, he's definitely trying to remind us that that's not a place that we need to be going in our minds, our hearts, our bodies. And that's between you and God, and I'm just going to ask you to, right now, lay that before the Lord and say, God, show me those areas that have darkness in them, and maybe you've battled something for a long time. Um, keep exposing that. It's it's what's done in secret, and what's kept in secret, that becomes really life controlling. And if you can if you can talk to the right person, and begin to expose that you can truly change. You can truly get help and the Holy Spirit will help you and lead you to make better decisions starting with what you put in your mind, okay? I just want to pray over you. Lord, I pray right now for those with the the greed battle and those with that darkness stuff that can keep... It's overwhelming living in the culture we live in. This stuff's very real. And so I just pray that you would be the protector of our mind, our heart, our bodies. That as we try to navigate through that checkerboard... You will remind us to walk in the light, to be the people of light. Lord, we pray for forgiveness. We pray for strength to share this with a brother or a sister or someone who can help us. We pray, God, that this would really be a reality in our lives, that we might emulate you, that we might follow you and and do a good job being your son and being your daughter. I thank you, Lord, for my friends. I thank you for this time to talk about all this. Finally, Lord, if someone's separated from you, listen, If anybody in this room, if you know you're separated from God, you're not a follower of Jesus, Timberline Church is a place where we welcome you and you can ask any hard questions you want about God. We're all in the journey. We respect you. But if today's the day you want to just proclaim your faith in the Lord, then just pray this with me. Lord, today's the day that I have the faith and I feel the faith being put in me to trust you with my soul. I believe you're the Son of God, that you died on a cross for me and rose from the dead. I proclaim that and I say it, and I ask for forgiveness of my sins, and I put my trust and my future in your hands. Let me be your son, your daughter. Let me walk with you from this day forward for the glory of God. Lord, we offer all these things to you for your purposes to be done in our lives. And everybody said amen. That means wow our prayer team is up here we would love to pray with you about anything going on in your life if you've decided to follow christ we have a packet we'd love to put in your hands to get you started on the right track and uh, remember as you go today you are the light you are that light and you represent god so that's why we can say it together the service starts now thanks for being timberline have a great weekend god bless you